0: God is not a creator. God is creation, the act of creation. Think about it. You know, when a mother has a baby, that is God. When uh, you write a book, that is God. When you create a song, when you create a relationship, when you create something for people to experience, the closest you can come to God is by creating all the time.
1: What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions. What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really, what we're asking is, What the hell is going on? Today's guest is Michael Graziano. Michael recently became the youngest Canadian to visit all 193 sovereign nations as recognized by the United Nations. Inspired by his travels, he founded the Global Degree Academy, a travel study program that allows students to gain valuable life experience through travel while taking advantage of online degrees through top universities. Upon returning from his trip, his entrepreneurial spirit led him to found his new company, Mindful Media PR, a public relations agency that works with mindful individuals and brands focused on leading their industries and communities towards a better future. Michael Graziano, welcome to Being.
0: Thanks for having me man.
1: Awesome. So Michael and I first met in Bali, Indonesia um, about two years ago at the Unconventional Life event hosted by our friend Jewel Schroeder. Uh, And if you don't know who she is or what Unconventional Life is, definitely check out episode one of this podcast where I interview her and she shares some of her fantastic wisdom. Um, It was a big event. There was over a hundred people. So Michael and I met there. Uh, We didn't have a chance to really go deep, but from what I did remember of that encounter, um, just your energy, your vibrance, your your um, spice and your like joy for life was really palpable. Uh, And I remember you telling me that you were um, embarking on or in the middle of a fantastic journey around the world. So Michael has recently come back from uh, a world trip that saw him visit all 193 sovereign nations uh, recognized by the United Nations. Wow, what an accomplishment. Uh, so let's begin at the, at the beginning, you know, what was your initial idea and motivation for, for this massive trip? So
0: um, back in 2014, I made an innocent trip to Thailand actually. Um, Tried to visit a couple of friends down there and ended up traveling solo for about three weeks for the first time. Um, overcame a fear of loneliness. I realized I can make friends anywhere I go. Just drop me into a hostel and I can navigate my way through meeting new friends and going on wild adventures with them and, you know, long lasting friendships anywhere. Um, with the locals, even if they don't speak English, we just play a game of charades and can uh, understand, you know, universal language is body language um, a lot of misconceptions um, you know the news was news was a scary place back in 2014 um, compared to what it is today um, I was scared to go and when I went there it was paradise and the thing about Thailand is you have people from around the world And, you know, they're telling me how beautiful their country is. They say, if you think Thailand's nice, come to Kenya, come to Congo, come to Israel, come to Lebanon, you know, and I'm like, well, how many misconceptions are in my head? How deep does this rabbit hole go? What if the whole world is this unbelievable, incredible place and I have nothing to fear? Uh, The last thing was I was spending more money as a ghost in Vancouver with car payments, cell phone payments, all these subscriptions. Uh, Then I was living like a king in in Thailand, and still to this day, cheaper to travel the entire world than to live in Vancouver. And anyone who lives in a metropolitan North American city can resonate with that. So that all kind of came together, and on the last day of the trip, I made a promise, a medieval pact, a mantra. I was going to visit 193 countries in the world by age 30, or I was going to die trying Either I do it or I cease to exist. Uh, there is no plan B. There is no, there is no other option. I burned the ship behind me and um, I was off on the adventure.
1: Awesome, dude. Like what an inspiring journey. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is from Mark Twain, like travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry and narrow mindedness. And that just springs to life when you describe your journey. Um, so I can't imagine how much you've learned and experienced. And I just want to sort of touch on a couple of them. Um, you know, what was sort of the most valuable lesson you learned about yourself on this journey?
0: Most valuable lesson I learned about myself. Uh, I think I'm, I think I'm quite playful. I think I bring out the fun side, the silly side in people. Um, you know, in university, high school, growing up, I was, you know, told to contain that and be more rigid, more formal. I've kind of, uh, let go and just not really, don't really give an F. Um, and I think actually people love me for that. So I, I learned that I'm playful and I'm fun. I love to just jump in and engage with people. Um, the human experience is the most prominent one. You know when you can go and dance among a tribe in uh, Africa or you can, uh, you know, try singing uh, classical music in Italy. it doesn 't really matter as long as you're doing as the Romans do and having fun doing it, then they can embrace you um, I also wear my my heart on my sleeve i actually i'm i'm 'm realizing this in back home um, my girlfriends brought it to my attention and my close friends as well and even some acquaintances where they just say mike like you have no filtration you. Say what's on your mind all the time, and it's refreshing, but most other people don't do that. And most other people um, can't do that, and they're not there yet. They have reservations and they hold on to them. You know, they'll hold on to their resentments. They won't just let go and they won't speak their mind. And, and so, you got to kind of be aware of that and um, be
1: sensitive to that. Um, so, anyways, those are a couple interesting lessons. So how did you get over the initial fear of, you know, being out there, being alone, um, you know, just out in the wild world?
0: So the, the, I mean, the real fear was in that first trip, but once that was done with, I felt like I had something to prove. I saw nothing but love, beauty, respect. I think it's a reflection of me. Um, you know, the person next to me sees Uh, gets in fights everywhere they go and they wonder why, you know, I, they think the world's, uh, you know, punishing them. And I I say, no, you got to look in the mirror, man. Like, what are you portraying onto the world? Why is the world treating you that way? Um, So I think when people don't like the way the world looks, they should take a good hard look in the mirror. Um, I saw nothing but love and respect. And I I think that's what I gave. And, um, and you have to be careful with fear because when people sense that you're afraid, they get confused. They're like, well, why is he afraid? Does he have something to hide? Is he something he's uh, holding back or something he's containing? Is he afraid of me? Why is he afraid of me? Because I'm dark skin because I'm not like him. Uh, You know, these are all these questions that uh, you open up with your fear. And I I like uh, saying, you know, with every encounter you have with every human being, you have a choice, either you're their friend or you're something else. And so I I always like to be friends with people. And, you know, I I always, I'm always the first to put out my hand for a handshake, big smile on my face, nothing but admiration and respect in my eyes. And, and, you know, I've been friends with good people. I've been friends with, you
1: know, some some pretty sketchy people, but as long as you're their friend, then they're not going to harm you. Wow, man, it's so inspiring. I just want to come back to one of the things you said. You know, you're such a free and playful and fun um, by nature. And you know, a lot of what happens to us, especially in the West, you know, we go to school, we go to these institutions where they sort of beat it out of us. You know, that it's like it's sit down and shut up and raise your hand to go to the bathroom and all that sort of protocol. And so we lose that sort of you know natural impulse, that natural creative impulse, and it ends up uh, being repressed and becoming a shadow, you know? And so discovering that, rediscovering that in yourself, a, by looking in the mirror, but one of the greatest ways to do that I've found is by traveling because there's such a, a sense of humility and vulnerability and openness that you have to embrace. Like I remember I did a big trip when I was, uh, about 25, I went to Africa for nine months and a week after I got there, I remember I was in Zimbabwe and Harare and I was in a market like an open market and probably about 5,000 people there. And I was the only white guy. And that, that was an incredibly humbling experience for me. Just like, wow, man, the world is more than the little bubble I grew up in. And it, like you said, it, it was, uh, an opportunity to look in the mirror, right. And to really discover something about yourself. Um, but also about humanity, like you say, there's so many um, misconceptions about what other people are like that we get, you know, filtered through the media or through our institutions or parents about we need to fear these other people, right? And so having the courage to go.
0: I think, I think fear is fear's, fear's taught to us the same, we learned, the way, same way we learn to read and write. Um, we learn to resent our neighboring countries. You know, why is that? Um I think it's from history. Um, I think it's from um, fearing what you don't know. It's a natural tendency for animals and humans as well. And that's more of our primal side. And um, when you don't know, you're afraid. And because you're afraid, you... You put up walls literally and um, it's so funny when uh, it's I I always notice that there's always competition between neighboring countries sometimes friendly sometimes not so friendly and I always I always it's I I find it comical I always get warnings don't go to this country you know it's all robbers over there and you know they're gonna uh, rob you they're gonna hurt you like just 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 (laughs) complete blind warnings for people who have never been. And then I show up and it's funny because it's almost the exact same as their country. Wow. (laughs) And and they're warning me about, you know, the next country, you know? And so it is what it is. I think the traveler gets to see the truth. Um, I also find it quite comical to see media portrayals of certain countries versus the reality. And, um, I find that really, yeah, I reflect on that a lot and, uh, just realize that, uh, I choose love over fear and I turn off the TV and show up to these countries and find nothing but incredible people.
1: Mm, love that, man. So amazing. Yeah. To overcome the fear and actually just go and see what it's like for yourself rather than taking the news or the media on its word. Um, yeah. So getting over fear is a massive, um, first step in going traveling, but there must have been times where you actually were scared. So could you like regale us with some, you know, moments where you actually were in genuine fear?
0: Yeah, sure. Jumping out of an airplane 11 times in three days in Denmark when we got our accelerated free fall licenses and now I can legally jump out of an airplane anywhere in the world. Awesome. Um, going 250 kilometers an hour down a racetrack in a formula three race car, um, without any training (laughs) and, uh, um, being strapped to a lawn chair and pushed off of a, a, basically a huge Valley in uh, New Zealand. All your friends sit there and watch and laugh, um, tobogganing down a volcano at about 90 kilometers an hour in Nicaragua, in Lyon. Yeah, just the thrill stuff, man. The uh, worst thing that ever happened to me was I got my wallet stolen in Chicago. I've traveled every country in the world and um, got robbed in America. <laughs> <laughs> if that's not the most ironic thing you ever heard, I don't know what it is. That's
1: so awesome. Yeah, so exactly what I wanted to ask you about is, you know, you described a bunch of things about being uh, scared, like, you know, F1 driving, jumping out of a plane. But did you ever feel like in danger for your life, maybe from crime or from political uprising or military, anything like that?
0: No. I was in Israel during a motorcycle bombing. I was in, sorry, I was in Israel during 700 missiles being fired from the Gaza I was in Turkey during the motorcycle bombing. Um, I was in um, Yemen during some, some pretty heady moments. And um, yeah, I mean, nothing. It had nothing to do with me. And half the time, it's not even what people portray it to be in the news. And I'm not saying that this stuff doesn't happen. It happens, but it's very different from a reality from, from the media, it really is. It's like uh, apples to oranges, Instagram versus reality,
1: you know? Wow, man. Like, just just the nature of your response when I first asked you, they just like, no, never felt scared. I'm like, wow, man. Like, that's this polar opposite to what we're programmed with in North America. It's like fear, everybody. Everybody's out to get you. Terrorists, you know, danger, crime around every corner. And it's all bullshit, Right? And that's so beautiful that you've had this lived experience and can come back now and, and relay that to people. You know, it's just so fantastic. Your experience with humanity is so unique. You know, what, what have you learned about the human species that maybe you didn't know before? Hmm.
0: Everyone around the world loves to dance to sing, to get dressed up, and to spend time with friends and family. I mean, these, these these things are so simple or so universal. And at first, I was appreciating how different each country was that I traveled to. But by the end, I was just appreciating how similar every country is. And, uh, you know, we're all playing music. We're just playing different... We're all eating foods; it's just prepared a little bit differently. We're all dancing, just in a different way, you know. um, It's uh, it's all much, much more similar than you think, uh, and everywhere, you know, in every country, it doesn't matter if their culture is a hundred years old or six thousand years old. You know, it's it's all the same. It's all the same uh, history history never repeats itself but it tends to rhyme. Mm. So I just appreciate the rhythm.
1: Yes. Wow, man. What a what a beautiful message that is that we're more the same than we are different. You know, across the entire world we value the same things, we want the same things, we need the same things, love, attention, dancing, music, food, you know, that is such a beautiful message and one that's so necessary I think to be heard especially now there's so much polarization in the world, you know, um, you know, narrative warfare, cultural warfare, where there's this group against that group and left against right and all these factions, it's like, we're so splintered, you know, across and it's mostly in the online space, right? Since the advent of the internet, it's like everybody communicates primarily online. And there's so much splintering and um, fractured uh, relations. It's, it's insane. So just the, the idea that you traveling to every country in the world and coming back and saying we are more the same than we are different. That is such a powerful message, man. Incredible. Um, I want to ask you about relationships. I read recently, I think it was in the Forbes article that came about out about you. Um, that one of the things you struggled with most is relationships, you know, be it romantic relationships or any sort of intimate relationships. Like, how long were you on the road? First of all, six years wow, that's an incredible amount of time, you know? And Mm so not to have any real home base or anywhere you could go back to get those nurturing elements of, you know, a home-cooked meal or, you know, love of your mother or a girlfriend or whatever it might be, you know? that How did you manage being on the road without those things?
0: Yeah, and the weird thing is I was never lacking friendships and relationships. I, I just think that they were there's too much of it. And I'll I'll give you an example. Like I'll show up to a hostel. We'll make some friends. We'll go out, you know, with these new, this new group of people. We'll go to a dinner. What started off as a, you know, harmless dinner turns into, you know, we go out for drinks. We go to a party. We meet some locals. They take us to another place. Next thing you know, we're, you know, we're on a boat and then we're, you know, jetting to this private island and there's this party on a private island. Next thing you know, we're doing fire dancing and they're teaching us how to do that. And, and then you come home you know, later that night and you look at these people and you feel like you've been friends for years. Mm. And you just met that day. And it's just an amazing, you, you know that feeling. We've totally. all gone through it. And I was doing that like almost all the time. I was having these incredible, amazing adventures with all these people. However, the next day, I'd never see them again.
1: Mm.
0: because I, I, I just jumped to the next adventure with the next person. And I would, I'm so in the moment, and I think being present is a strength, but it can be a weakness when you when it's time to stay in touch with people, because there's so many people who are amazing, and I wish I could stay in touch with, but it gets to a point where you don't even know who you know. That's how many people you're meeting and how much interactions you're having. And it's again, it's it's a yin yang. There's positive and negatives, and the same thing with women. I felt like I was just constantly, you know, putting myself out there, and I, I I said that I was looking for love, but I really wasn't. It was just a sensation of a new person in a new country, and um, and it was it wasn't real love. It was it was fake love, and after a while, it just leads to emptiness and. So in the last year of the trip, I was really going through a lot of struggles of who am I and what's important to me. And, um, you know, you have this portrayal of who I, who people think I am on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, And then I felt like I was wearing a mask for, for, for a while. And so I had to just kind of come honest, become honest about that and start speaking about it. That really helps um, you know, the first step to anything is to uh, to any addiction or any suffering is to just acknowledge that you're going through something. Um, I did it very publicly on my Facebook. Um, and people, I remember reading that. It was super powerful. Yeah. And I was just, you know, I had so many women reach out to me th- thanking me for being so brave. I had a lot of men reaching out to me telling they're going through similar issues and they've never spoken to anyone about it. And so um, that was that was really powerful for me. For me, I, I I call that taking my mask off. And once you take it off, and you learn that people love and support you for who you are, you you keep it off.
1: Wow, man, that is so powerful and such uh, amazing advice. Especially now, I think you know with this whole situation that's going on in the world, we're we're being forced to sort of look at ourselves and reevaluate what is important to us and who we really are. And, you know, if the trajectory of our life is really what going in the direction we want it to, um, you had the privilege of doing it, uh, over six years, which is a massive amount of time, but you mentioned, you you know, you discovered a new you, you know, so from the, the you that what left on the first day to the you that came home, what was that journey? Like what, what was the massive change? Do you think?
0: much more jaded, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: much more weathered. No, I'm joking. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies. I, I was dealt with my share of uh, issues along the way and, you know, setbacks, obstacles. Um, it's, it, you know, I think in any town, any journey in life, people are going to come up with lessons, you know, compare yourself to when you were 23 years old. Or you know, ten years ago, or whatever, and, and you're gonna be like, wow, a lot has learned. Even even if you didn't travel all that much, so like life itself is a is a show, and um, there's different chapters to this thing. Uh, I don't compare my life to anyone else. You know, um, what I've been to every country in the world, or been to space and back. Um, you know, it's all it's all part of a journey. And um, again, I would just say I'm more authentic. I'm more myself. Um, before I kind of held back from being myself, I was afraid to be myself. And, and, um, I think deep down, we all know who we truly are. We just spend our whole life, um, accepting that and stepping into it, leaning into it. And now I just, I just, I'm myself. And if people don't accept me for who I am, that's fine. Um, (laughs) I don't subscribe to me and my, my, my life and my energy and my channel of my existence. And if you do love and, and respect me, then, you know, that's awesome. Let's, <clears throat> let's have fun and let's move forward with whatever we want to do. Um, so it's kind of like, I haven't really changed. I've just become more myself. If mm. That makes sense.
1: Oh, it totally does. And yeah, you mentioned that it's, 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 it's- easy to take off the mask but i think for a lot of people it's not you know because it takes a uh, a depth of trust and to step into that vulnerability and to be really seen and again i think that's something that's super needed especially now is to let's take off the masks but the problem is that we've been groomed um programmed in this environment where we're taught to, you know, and this goes back to the education thing we were talking about earlier. We're taught to defer power to authority, you know. We're taught that some of our creative impulses are are um, not allowed uh, within a society, and so those are repressed. And they, so we start to, you know, put on this mask or play this role that we think will get us what we need, you know, be it love or attention or money or sex or whatever it is. You know, we're playing these roles. Um, and the the funny thing is, we play different roles with different people, is what I've found. You know, so you might be playing one role with your mom, one role with your boss, one role with your girlfriend, and one role with your friends. You know, and so we're playing all these masks or all these roles, and none of them are us, right? And the, and that's, that's what happens for a lot of people in you know the typical midlife crisis. They get to a point where like, wait a minute, none of these are me. Then who the hell am I?
0: Well, I get to a point where you feel unlovable. Um, You know, it. it for for a lot of women they there's some girls up who will never leave the house without putting on their makeup they they don't want anyone anyone to see who what they truly look like and that's got to have some psychological consequences on them and on their mental health and um some people have been wearing masks for longer than they'd like to admit and sometimes even years sometimes even a lifetime you got to ask yourself I mean, I've studied Muslim culture and Buddhist culture. And uh, you got to ask yourself, how many people in the world, in you know, India as well, how many people in the world make decisions just to satisfy their parents? Mm. How many people choose a career, choose to go to school, choose to be a prestigious job and, and never liked it, never once enjoyed it just to make mom and dad happy? Um, you'd be petrified to know that stat. It's, uh, it's quite a big one. And my parents are extremely academic. And when I left, I dropped out of school to pursue my passion of starting a business. And then I made a mission to go to travel every country in the world. My, my parents didn't really talk to me for the first little while because I had really left the nest and I had um, gone against their, their, um, security net and their discretion, because if you think about it, your mom and dad, they just want what's best for you. They've been looking after, after you since you were in diapers and that never really goes away. It's not like you hit an age where like, Oh, whatever. He can do his own thing. They're always looking after you. And as a result, they are very precautious and very low risk. They always have been. That's what brought you, that's why, why you're still alive today is because they were so low risk. So when you make a big decision like that, they're just scared for your safety, I guess. But then once you become a success, you know, now they're proud of me. You know, they have my Forbes article framed on the wall. They have my TED Talk framed on the wall and they they love to tell their friends about me and, and other family members. And so, you know, for anyone listening, who has strict parents? I think we all do to some degree. Um, leave the nest, come back. Leave the nest as a little chick, come back an eagle, and your your parents will be
1: happy. Mm. Wow, man! That what a what a challenge that must have been to know that you're going against your parents' wishes and have the the courage and the trust in yourself to do it. You know, I think so many people would love to do that and they don't. But also, what does it say about our society? You know, that our parents are so. Uh, I, and I know it comes, like you said, it comes from a place of love and concern and they want to protect us. I get it, Mm -hmm. but they're also, you know, I'm a parent. I've got two kids that are 12 and 10 now. So I'm hyper aware of my, my programming or my wishes being imparted to them or, or uh, put upon them. And it's based on what my fears are or what my worldview is or what my version of success is. You know, that's what our parents are doing They're, because that's all they know, you know, and again, it comes from the, the, a good place. They're trying to do their best, but, you know, having the courage to go outside of that, especially if it means, you know, being ostracized from the family, that's a big deal.
0: So let me ask you, would you let your kids go to Pakistan, Afghanistan, Yemen, Somalia and Sudan?
1: My first instinct is to say, Absolutely. With the caveat of, you know, knowing that I am um, developing children who are resilient, who are adaptable, who are smart, who are street smart, who are wise, you know, they, I'm a traveler. Um, my wife is a traveler as well, and their mother. Um, so knowing that they have the wherewithal to to go to those countries and be able to navigate it, absolutely, I would want them to go there. Yeah, for sure. And the same goes for, you know, my daughter is, is coming into puberty, you know, like um, so many parents, especially fathers, like, you know, no boys, like no, no sex until you're married, all this shit. I'm like, if I give my daughter the right foundation, the right tools to navigate situations and the right trust in herself to know when a situation is good for her and when it isn't, then I'm all for her having experiences, you know, that will enrich her life. Of course, I want her to be happy and have those experiences, right?
0: Yeah, and it's um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, I I think it's a level of communication because either you she goes against your will and doesn't talk to you and does all the stuff behind your back, in which case you're oblivious, or she, you know she knows she can trust you, and again, this is her life journey, and the decisions hers. In the end, she knows that, but she likes to communicate with you as her father, her creator. Um, that's a beautiful relationship.
1: It really is. And I feel really grateful for it. Um, and what you said about communication, that's, it's all about communication. You know, like I'm encouraging my kids to talk to me about anything, like saying, you know, you will never be in trouble for anything you say, you know, or anything you do, you know, we can talk about it, you know, and that that brings me to a question about culture. You mentioned going to like Muslim countries and, and, um, with different sort of cultural practices, I remember being in Botswana once, and I was in like rural Botswana at a, like a dive bar, and this guy and his girlfriend were arguing and he was he wasn 't beating her, but he was kind of being rough with her and me being the compassionate, empathetic guy, I just wanted to like you know take him aside and say, "Dude, you know you gotta chill out, and you know, I just wanted to protect the woman and everything and you know the closer I got, you know the other locals would be like don't go in there you know and it was I didn't understand it at the time, and I don't even know if I do now, but uh, there was some cultural uh, meme playing out there that I didn't understand, you know, and I wanted to impart, you know, my sort of view of the world, like this shouldn't be happening. But, you know, one of the locals was telling me that this is how things are done here. You know, this is this is a natural. This is what happens. This is a form of communication, you know, and so it was it was astounding to me. So I just wanted to ask you, did you encounter anything like that where you felt like something was going on that was wrong or you wanted to do something about but you couldn't, you couldn't.
0: So in Brunei, they have the Shiite law stating that, um, you can stone a homosexual to death. You know, someone is gay, they can be stoned to death without any persecution or any crime. And that's why Ellen DeGeneres and all these celebrities are boycotting the Sultan of Brunei, um, because of these, these rules. However, when you go to Brunei, I sat down with one of the locals who actually brought us to his home for dinner. And I asked him if this happens. And he says he's never heard of it because the community decided that it wasn't right to do. And so if somebody ever did it, sure, the government wouldn't do anything to them. But the community would punish them which I found to be a very beautiful story. Um, you know, a, 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 an ethical law taking form over the real law. Um, I found that'd be really interesting. Um, I don't, I can't say I've really seen abuse. I mean, you have, you have a, women in Muslim countries wearing burqas and, you know, once again, Feminists coming in saying she should be able to wear whatever she wants to wear, you know, don't restrict her don't tell her what to do. But then you talk to some of the women in burqas, and they tell me that they prefer to be wearing burqas, because they want to preserve themselves for the man they love. And they don't want um, other eyes to be looking at them. They want to they're a gift for their the love of their life. And they chose to wear a burka, even if there were no consequences of switching. So, you know, there's there's a lot of sides to the story. I don't think it's ever right to abuse a girl anywhere in the world, uh, abuse a woman. So, I I mean, I think if that is a culture, then that needs to change. Um, However, I would say that, you know, there's always, it's always good to hear both sides of of stories and to talk to the people who are making these decisions before you come in with all of your judgments.
1: hundred mm, percent. And I think that's true of everything. We need to, you know, uh, be aware of the lens with which we are seeing the world and recognize that there are certain biases our biases that we're we're projecting. Our frame of the world is not necessarily how other people see it, you know. And this goes uh, uh, for everything that's going on right now. You know, uh, come back to the the cultural warfare that's going on online. You know, we're all polarized, like um, entrenched in our own positions, like fighting everybody, saying you are wrong, you are wrong, but we can't actually make sense of the world because the lens through which we're seeing it is is so um, myopic. Like it's just we're seeing whatever we've been taught.
0: Well, I, I like I like the saying: "You don't fight for peace; you peace for peace." You peace and, for peace. Yeah, I think in a, in a lot of ways, the act of fighting is all you're already, you know, losing in what you're trying to obtain in the end, right? Um, I think you know, there's a lot. There's a peaceful way to go about it, all change. You just it's just whether or not you choose to subscribe to it. Yeah. You know, do you subscribe to the news? I'm not talking about, you know, subscribe digitally. I'm like, energetically, do you subscribe to the news? Do you subscribe to all these debates? And do you feel the need to jump in and try and be heard in this, you know, this bottomless pit of people shouting, this exhibitionism where people are too busy shouting to hear anybody? Um, If you subscribe to that, yeah, you're you're probably going to get emotional and heated from it. But I just choose love. I I don't see that stuff. The moment it appears, I walk away. And I don't I I think that I think giving people or anything your attention is, is your vote. Right? Totally. And um, I don't know, that's how I go about my life. And it allows me to see a lot of beauty, even in, even today, in today's climate. I, I still see a lot of beauty and a lot of uh, important change and a lot of really interesting things happening in the world and a lot of huge
1: opportunity that's just around the corner. Beautiful. What a great frame to see the world. I totally agree. Hey, are you feeling lost, frustrated, angry about the state of the world, but unsure what to do about it? I get it. The world is a pretty messed up place right now. Yet in these interesting times of shattered realities, many people are using alcohol to escape and numb their feelings of anxiety, dread, and uncertainty. I know, I did it for years. This is why I've made it my mission to support brave souls in mastering their inner world and finding a deeper sense of purpose. To that end, I created Reset 2020. Reset is a personal transformation mastermind group with the intention of resetting your relationship with alcohol and becoming the best version of yourself in an empowering, supportive online community. To check out more about Reset 2020 and to watch my masterclass video, head on over to go.patrickcooklife.com. Remember, cook is spelled with an E, C-O-O-K-E. So it's go.patrickcooklife.com. All right, now back to the show. I want to come back to something we talked about earlier when you're mentioning your parents and how, you know, um, you going out and, and going on this adventure was not in line with what their idea of success looked like. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you, um, and this is one of my favorite questions to ask people is what is your definition of success and how has it changed over time? Great question. In the beginning, I thought
0: success was money, a car, a money, money, a house, freedom um financial freedom i should say i think success today success today is being in the moment i did vipassana 10 days of silence it's a, a buddhist tradition it's actually hindu for um seeing things as as it is as they are and um the pasana teaches you that all suffering comes from either chasing or averting things. So either craving or aversion, aversion. So either you're, either you're running towards something or you're running away from something. And they teach you that it's actually this act of running is what causes suffering. So therefore happiness is just surrendering to the here and now and. And surrendering to everything that is given to you and being grateful for it. And uh, having that state of mind that, uh, and you know, Buddha meaning enlightenment, having being the enlightened one um, and just being present and um, surrendering to that, uh, (laughs) not needing anything and not needing anyone. Um, Not holding on to any beliefs or thoughts, thoughts come and go like clouds, Um, just feeling uh, this body that you've been given and feeling this air that you've been given and this world that you've been given and everything else is icing on the cake. That's success. I think.
1: I think you just perfectly described what this podcast is being like being in the moment, being in your body you know, releasing attachment, uh, being present with yourself, being present with everybody around you. Yeah, it's just fantastically beautiful. Well said, um, on that, on that note, is there, was there an experience during your travels that you would classify as like sort of a profound or uh, spiritual experience?
0: So I was in Mongolia and I hadn't seen a white person for three weeks. So we found a Westerner in the middle of the desert in Mongolia. I went and said hi to him. You know, he asked what we were doing there. We said we're going to every country. And he uh, we asked what he was doing there. And he said, I'm on a peace mission. I'm spreading the word of God in Mongolia. I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's beautiful. And he said, you know, sometimes people in the middle of the desert can find God, and that will make all the difference. That was the end of our discussion. Six months later, a guy named Luke messages me on Facebook and says that you're not going to believe this, but you met my father in Mongolia. He he said he met travelers going to every country. He showed a photo and and it was you, but I'm your cousin. What? So you met your uncle in the middle of the desert in Mongolia. Wow. And the story doesn't stop there. You know, fast forward to uh, actually about three years from then. I was at Burning Man. You've been to Burning Man? I have. And um, I remember there's a sunset, uh, sorry, sunrise party. Um, There's a big dream catcher. I think it was a Thursday morning sunrise party. And that's when Robot Heart and the other club come together. And there's a huge dream catcher and there's like a little keyhole and people are walking single file into this keyhole. And I I looked at the person left next to me. I said, wow, there must be something on the other side. And, And he looked at me and said, this is your first Burning Man, isn't it? And I walk into this little keyhole and I see about, you know, 500 people inside partying, turn around and see this beautiful beating heart with these women dressed as angels hanging off the side of it. They all have cows Uh, which for me meant it was a prayer for the cows because of all that that was happening with the Amazon rainforest and cow grazing. Uh, They had this beautiful uh, robot communicating with the heart, which symbolized uh, humanity and technology dancing together. And um, the DJ turned on a heartbeat um, uh, bass so everyone's hearts were synchronizing. And it was a powerful moment. And I remember closing my eyes And dancing like a madman. Like I was just really dancing. I didn't really care what anyone thought. And I I, I thought when I opened my eyes, at least a couple people were going to notice me or be filming me or be looking at me. I thought the whole party was going to stop to be like, who's this madman? And I opened my eyes and no one even noticed. No one cared. And it hit me right in that moment. It's not about you. Mm. It's not about you. It never was about you. It's each person is in their own world, experiencing the here and now. What it is about is creation. Somebody created this moment. I'll never meet the architect of this experience. The keyhole, the, the angels, the beating heart, the robot, this whole experience was architected by somebody or a group of people. That's what it's about life is about creating things for other people to experience
1: Mm.
0: and doing it for the community, doing it for the collective, uh, creating things that people can experience throughout time. Uh, whether it's a, a writing a book or a podcast or, um, you know, an an actual experience or a song or, you know, something create, create, and then it hit me even further, uh i don't believe god is a human and and people say well god spoke to me i said well with what mouth you know mm. god heard me oh with what ears you you god felt felt me well with what with what nerves you're describing a human experience for something uh superhuman something much further um, uh, beyond us so then it hit me that god is not a creator god is creation the act of creation think about it You know, when Mm. a mother has a baby, that is God. When uh, you write a book, that is God. When you create a song, when you create a relationship, when you create something for people to experience, um, create architect something, that is the creation is God. And even if you believe in the Big Bang Theory, go back to the Big Bang. What was it? It was literally creation. Like something was created for the first time ever. And and so um, I think when you can when you look at things that way, you the closest you can come to God is by creating all the time, and um, that to me is something I want to subscribe to, and that's a lesson I learned. And then it hit me that my my uncle told me sometimes in the middle of the desert people get connected with God, and that makes all the difference. So it all was one big novel almost
1: oh wow that is just so amazing man what a story and i love your description um for me you're describing like the fundamental nature of the universe which is which is creation right it's it's And where I think where humanity has gotten stuck is that we we're in this sort of ego frame, you know, where we think we are the center and we are, and then, you know, and you said, it's not about us. It's not about us, but it is on, on some level, you know, so we don't want to give up our sovereignty and our agency towards a whole, but we want to be part of the whole, you know, and the way I look at it is, you know, the fundamental um, impulse of evolution is to be better. Right to grow to evolve, right? Yeah, and within a capitalist society, that has looked like competition, like I need to be better than you. Where really, it's all you need to be better is than is yourself. Like I want to be better than I was yesterday, and better than I was ten years ago. And when I do that, when I focus on being better, the the best version of myself, I am fundamentally making the universe a more beautiful place for everyone. Mm -hmm. Right, and so that's that's the creation. If I'm creating, if I'm being myself without the mask. Without the bullshit, just being myself and, and following my unique purpose, my unique gifts, I am fundamentally making the b- universe a more beautiful place through creation. And that's all, that's only my only job. You know, and so if we can sort of reframe our existence to towards that, it's like, okay, what is my purpose? Why am I here? And it might be just to create a podcast or write a book or be a good parent or, you know, it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, I know something crazy.
0: Elon Musk's mom was uh, interviewed and she said that for whatever reason, the most important thing for her was to have her kids. And it's so often we now compare people like Elon Musk as success when really, if you just listen to his creator, his mother, his own mother, you start to understand that nothing makes sense looking forward. Everything makes sense looking backward in hindsight. So you have to just trust your gut, trust your heart, because, you know, everything's much more precise than you may think. And, um, you know, never look down on anyone who does anything that they believe in, even if it's having the, uh, even a child, if that's important for a mother, that son may be very important to the world, or, you know, maybe his son more important to the world, you never know. So, um, you just gotta trust it, have faith, uh, follow the invisible into the unknown. My favorite quote.
1: Ooh, I love that. Follow the invisible into the unknown. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, this has been awesome, dude. I just have one or two more questions for you. I want to be cognizant of your time. Um, You've been back from this this long trip. There has to be some sense of letdown. Like, how, what's been the hardest part about being home and being stationary?
0: I kind of always need a, an adventure. I need something to do. <laughs> I can't really, yeah, I can't really sit still. It's hard to sit still. So, uh, this COVID has been an interesting uh, chance to sit still. I've created a new business um, that I'm working on now, but I think I was in transition for quite a few months when I got home and um, it, it hurt me to not have human connection in my life. I mean, I'm a big fan of the hug and kiss and saying, you know, the handshakes, the fist pounds, the like literally physical touch is one of my love languages. And it's one of my ways of connecting to people. And so when that gets taken away, it's kind of sad. Um, so like the world's in an interesting place with social distance and uh, avoiding your loved ones and the elderly ones, especially. So just seeing that and being a part of that's been really tough, especially because my own I've been trying to kind of catch up for lost time with my grandparents and parents, and um, I can't really spend that much time with them in person for now, um, which has been
1: tough. Wow. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people are feeling that similar, vibe. you know, human contact is so, so important. and the lack of it right now is really challenging for many, many people. And I think it's taking a, uh, mental health toll, which is, um, is going to be an issue. So that's why I want to have conversations like this is like, let's have, let's have these difficult conversations because lots of people are feeling the same way, you know? And so let's talk about it. Let's, you know, voice, you know, how challenging it is because it's a, it's a big deal. Um, So you mentioned what you're doing since you got back. So tell us about it's Mindful Media is the name of your company, right?
0: Yeah. So I got a lot of press along the way, been on Forbes, Huffington Post, uh, The Star, a lot of TV TV shows and news shows and Yahoo and all that. And I was leveraging it to get sponsorships and brand deals to create awareness. So I, I understand the benefits of press. I'm kind of like a walking, talking case study that. Press can get you anything you want, even if it's a trip around the world. Um, so I'm helping people navigate that now. So I'm help. It's called Mindful Media because we're working with mindful brands and mindful individuals who are doing important work for the world and getting them the press they deserve. Because the, there is a lot of fear mongering in the media right now. But I have connections at you know some of the top media in the world, and we can help tell interesting, inspiring, thought provoking stories. And, um, my chapters come to an end in terms of telling my story and I'm getting a lot of fulfillment out of helping other people tell theirs.
1: So that's, that's what I'm working on now. Oh man, that's so awesome. And uh, yeah, mindful media, I'm a client, so I highly recommend it. Um, okay. Last question If you were to take all of your experiences and all the knowledge and wisdom you gained from them and just distill them down into one message, you know, what would it be? (laughs) Love that question. Life
0: knowledge into one (laughs) sentence, maybe even one word, maybe even one letter. (laughs) Um. I give, I give this, I give the same advice. I want to give you something new. I want to come up with something new here. Um, follow the invisible into the unknown. We, we touched on it a second ago, but I'm going to bring it back. Um, you have to have faith. Faith is a scary thing because it doesn't make sense at the time. <laughs> the stars do not align. There's no writing on the wall. You know, you have this this message inside telling you to do something, and it doesn't make sense, and it's counterintuitive, and why would you do it? But you have to do it. It's called faith, and it's the most powerful thing once you have it, because faith is guiding you somewhere, and um, the more you surrender to it, the more life will take you on a beautiful journey, and you'll end up exactly where you want it to end up. Uh, sometimes ten times over, you know be careful what you wish for because uh life and the universe has a way of manifesting it and uh it coming to you, sometimes uh, fedexing it to you next day delivery. <laughs>
1: Oh man, that is so beautiful and profound. Dude, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your uh, experience, your knowledge, your wisdom, your energy It's just such a pleasure to drop in with you again. And I hope to, uh, you know, hang out with you, give you a hug and a kiss real soon. Um, tell everybody that's listening where they can find you if they want to get in touch with you for PR through mindful media.
0: Awesome, man. Well, first off, thanks for having me. This has been fun and insightful and got, you know, got me thinking. So thank you. Um, they can find me at uh, Global Degree is my channel, um, Michael Graziano on Facebook, um, or Mindful Media PR is our website. And uh, yeah, I look forward to connecting with all your viewers and um, introducing a lot of new people to, to you and your podcast uh, very soon.
1: Yes, brother. Amazing. All right. I'll put all those links in the show notes and so people can get in touch with you. And once again, thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciate it. Thank you,
0: brother. Much love.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please do hit the subscribe button and share this episode with all your friends. And for more episodes and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, live your being.